Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Know I Love, the podcast where I, Kevin, talk about literally all the things that I know I love in the world of entertainment. So that could be movies, music, uh, video games, literature, and of course, television shows. Um, Our first two episodes, I talked about the television show Recess and also the Mighty Mighty Bostons as a music episode in the second episode. And so this third episode, I decided to get into the realm of film. And so today I'm going to be talking about a film that is very, very, very important for me. Um, And that at the time of my first viewing of it was just completely mind-blowing and still is. You know, I've watched it recently and I'm just like, yep, it's amazing still. I still love it. Um, And, you know, deciding on a film, I mean, like, of all the films I've seen, I mean, there's a lot of films I like. There's a lot of films I really love. Um, but trying to decide on just one being like the first one, you know, um, that was really difficult. Um, and I just started spending like the last like week or so sort of just like, I knew I wanted to do a film. I just try to sort of keep my eyes and ears open for like some form of inspiration. And, and I know there's a ton of films that I want to do down the line. Um, but in terms of the first, I was just like, what should be the first, what should be the first? And for the inspiration, that the reason I decided on the film today is because I actually was reading a news article um, involving the actor Ethan Hawke. And, um, you know, I really like him. I think he's a really great actor. And he was, it, it was not about the film that I'm, I'm going to be talking about today, but it was actually about his experience working with Robin Williams um, in Dead Poet Society. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, but yeah, Dead Poet Society. Um, and he was just talking about like, you know, working with Robin Williams was kind of weird at first because I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, you know, he was, you know, really wanting to be this serious actor and Robin Williams was kind of like a jokester on the set. And so, you know, he just kind of, they kind of crossed paths in a funky way, but you know, he really admired Robin Williams like in hindsight and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, wow, Ethan Hawke, gosh, okay. And then it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly the movie that I'm going to be talking about next. So. The movie that we're talking about today, we're going back to 1997, and it is the film Gattaca, which is probably, I would say, at least in my top five, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's got to be in my top five films, like, of all time. Um, and so, let's begin. Let's let's unpack all this. So, in terms of my discovery of the film Gattaca... Um, If you don't know anything about Gattaca, just a brief synopsis here um, of my own. (laughs) Uh, So Gattaca came out in 1997. It stars Ethan Hawke, um, Umar Thurman, and Jude Law is also in it as well. And it also has like kind of, I mean, I'll get into casting later, but it, it really does have like an interesting set of small parts with like really big actors that we really really are familiar with today like Blair Underwood's got a little tiny part in it Tony Shalhoub um Alan Arkin I mean there's a lot of like pretty big names in this movie um but you know whether at the time they just decide to be a part of the film or you know whatever the casting is really great and so this film takes place according to its um beginning in the not too distant future um, right away, I mean, you get a sense that, okay, this has got to be most likely in the 2000s. Um, maybe, especially from today's standards, it's certainly more uh, technologically advanced and futuristic than where we are in 2021 you know, today. And 
the world though still feels kind of retro and it has a very um it's got a very solid like film noir aspect to it which i'll also get into later as well um but essentially the movie revolves around ethan Hawke's character vincent who has grown up and who was born into this world rather um where there's pretty much two kinds of people so there's people that are considered um, he uses terms like invalids or degenerates I'm not mispronouncing that. That actually is the, the term that he's using. And where we have begun to start um, manipulating the biology of children and babies before they're born. So, like, if you want, you know, your kid to have a certain color eye, a certain color skin, um, you know, certain skill sets, um, you don't want them to be, um, you know, of a certain height or a weight or whatever. I mean, you can pretty much manipulate all these things to the point where when you're actually born, um, they can take a blood sample and tell you like exactly the likelihood of when you will probably die and what you will probably die from, assuming it's from you know natural causes. Um, and so it's not exactly cloning, but it is sort of gene manipulation. And so Vincent, Ethan Hawke's character, he narrates the film and he tells us that, you know, basically he was born a god child you know where it was a natural birth his his genes were not uh, manipulated at all um his parents wanted to just put give everything to chance but they weren't realizing that society was essentially going to go full throttle in this other direction where like if you weren't uh if you hadn't had your genes manipulated the opportunities um able to uh, be attained by you would just not be possible. Um, you know, people won't even look at your resume if you're if you're an invalid. They won't. Um, you know, you only can get certain types of jobs um, if you're you know not of the perfect type of gene pool. That kind of thing. And so that's sort of the gist of the story. Um, however, what's of course a conflict for the story is that Vincent Eden Hawk's character has this dream of going to space and. Uh, you know, space travel is basically a regular thing in this um, Gat in this company called Gattaca, which is kind of like NASA. Um, and they go on um, mission trips all the time to like the moons of Saturn, and like there's like a lot of space space exploration going on. Um, and so, of course, as a growing up and you know as a child, teenager, and adulthood, he has this just dream that he just can't seem to let go of. Of um, you know getting up into the stars and so and, and you know potentially working at Gattaca those kinds of things so right off the bat when he's born um, they do the blood sample of you know his of the baby and you know they tell the parents okay well he's gonna have like a 99% like heart condition most likely probability so right off the bat I mean his his age of lifespan is like you know in his 30s probably and so the father um you can tell he's kind of disappointed with this and you know they were expecting more and the, fa the father was at least and they go to name the baby after the father whose name is Anton he's like no 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 um we'll name it Vincent Anton like that that's that's fine like and you know Ethan Hawke kind of talks about how he basically wasn't uh you know even perfect enough to have his father give him his first name um, so a couple years pass, um, you know, Vincent's like a toddler. They decide to have another child. This time, though, they, they're not leaving things up to chance, and they want um, this one to have, like, more of a, a opportunity and lifespan and everything. So they name it Anton, and, of course, growing up with his little brother Anton, 
Anton's better than Vincent at everything. He's stronger. He's faster. You know, he he just has all the world ahead of him. And you know, you know, his own father pretty much tells him, you know, your opportunities are pretty much limitless, li- limited rather. Where you know he tells Vincent, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, if you the only time the only way you're going to see the inside of Gattaca is if you know you're cleaning the bathrooms, or if you're the only time you're going to see the inside of space is if you're cleaning the bathrooms of the space shuttle. He's just kind of putting him down and and trying to you know no pun intended, but bring him down to earth um, and just get over this dream that Vincent has. Of course, he, he can't get over it. So Vincent decides to leave um, once he pretty much becomes an adult, a uh, young adult, and he decides to leave and just years pass and he ends up working in um, like sanitation like for, for Gattaca. So he gets to be in the building, he gets to see the, the, the shuttle launches and things, but it just seems like this dream that's just never going to happen. So while he's working at um, the place of Gattaca, um, Ethan Hawke's character comes across this guy who um, is in the market of um, lending identities to people. So um, for whatever reason, the people that come from the perfected gene pool, maybe something happens in their lives to where they can't actually like have like a regular job or something or be part of society for whatever reason. So they'll offer to give up their DNA to some invalid person. That way that invalid person can like go off and like, you know, do these things um, since they would otherwise not be able to. And so in comes Jerome, played by Jude Law. And Jude Law, you know, was this up and coming swim star who um, lived in the UK and he got in this accident where he got hit by a car. So he's basically paralyzed, um, you know, I think from the waist down. Um, he, he's in a wheelchair pretty much for the rest of his life. And so he offers Ethan Hawke, you know, the chance to have his DNA and use it. Um, and, you know, Ethan Hawke can then potentially get this job in Gattaca, achieve his dreams. Jerome gets paid. So, so that's kind of the deal. And then the guy that, you know, makes this all come together, that connects them, um, you know, he gets like a percentage of, you know, whatever profits going to be had. And so that's sort of like the whole um basic storyline i mean there ends up being like you know this murder mystery in gattaca it's where like you know ethan hawk becomes a suspect um uma thurman is kind of like suspicious of him but she's also kind of like a love interest that really likes him um and so there's all these things going on uh within within this world of the film gattaca gattaca was directed by andrew nickel who is one of my favorites all-time favorite screenwriters um he wrote and directed this film and he, if you've ever seen any of his work, I mean, he did movies like um, Lord of War, uh, Simone, and of course, The Truman Show, which will, of course, be in another episode. <laughs> um, but he has this, seems to have this fascination, Andrew Nichol, with sort of the human condition and like what we are capable of as people um, or what society rather is capable of even and like where society could possibly go. A lot of his films focus on the themes of like um, these sort of seemingly utopian societies that have a lot of issues within them that until you get closer, you don't even recognize them. For all we know, um, you know, gene manipulation and all that. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, why wouldn't you want to help your child to avoid whatever they could possibly have um, to, you know, have some some life that is just seemingly perfect, right? I mean, that's like the idea they're selling in the movie. Um, and But the closer you get to it, you start to see issues. Well, like, what about the people that are born before that? What about the people that, like, their parents choose to not do that? So there's all these questions. There's all this, like, um, sort of prejudices of 
this group of people that are not, you know, don't have their genes manipulated for perfection and the people that do. Um, and so they get a lot into that, which is a common theme I, I find in a lot of Andrew Nichols films. Um, some other standout components of this film and why I feel the need to speak on it and as to why I love it. Um, it, they're like the musical score, for instance. Um, Michael Nyman is the composer for this film, and it has it, it just has this sort of like really nice um, ethereal um, score to the film. That's kind of one of those scores that's a little bit catchy and dreamy, but like isn't overpowering. And I hope I'm not uh, mispronouncing this incorrectly, but Slaramar Idziak is the cinematographer along with Sarah Knowles as the um, art director. I think this film was also nominated for an art direction Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I mean, once you see it and, and just see how stunning it is, I mean, you kind of can go, yeah, like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, it is one of those films that I feel like, and I'll talk about this in, in other podcasts when I talk about movies, but it's kind of like you could literally turn the sound off and just watch it. Like, it, it's visually stunning. Like, every scene, every frame has, like, it, it's like literally just a picture, picturesque scene that's just beautiful the use of color in this movie is also something that is just really strong um and and you'll see a pattern throughout the film like they'll use these certain kinds of reds um these uh kind of like a t these teal really heavy teal colors like in the backgrounds whether it's the ocean or the wall or something um and also uh, yellow. Yellow is like a very, very heavy color in this film. Even in Gattaca itself, you see this really stark emerald green like everywhere. Um, really heavy usages of like gold tints to the, the sort of the sun, uh, scenes where they're like in the sunlight. Um, there's like a beautiful scene where they go um, to, I believe it's like sort of a solar panel, panel section of, of land and with the sun rising and it just hits everything and it just has this really gold like beautiful element to it a lot of really like i call it like a brake light red <laughs> where it's not like super in your face harsh red but it's just like that kind of beautiful like red that you know you see in a brake light you know if it hits someone's face the right way it just looks really cool um but there's a lot of usages of those are three of those colors i think that they use a lot in this film um, that just give it like a really like warm feeling like you never feel um, I feel like sometimes in the sci-fi genre especially um, and, and a lot of them I love but like the, most of the time in science fiction and futuristic films you know they kind of jump to this sort of um, coldness like everything feels super cold and like like you it's almost like every scene you feel like you, you see you feel like the air condition is like blaringly on um, like if you're in like an office space, but the entire world and environment of a lot of futuristic films can feel that way. This film has that like when they're inside of Gattaca, um, but it, it feels still like ret because of the retro elements to it, like the costuming, like everyone wears like suits and like, um, you know, these like hats that you'd see maybe in like the 40s. Like it's very like 40s, 50s, 60s inspired. Like the vehicles are electric, but as a body shape the vehicles they drive they don't fly you know this isn't like fifth element or something like it's actually very retro like w when it comes to the body of these cars um that you, it seems like something right out of the 60s the costuming seems like something right out of the 40s and 50s 
Um, and this is sort of Andrew Nichols' world that I guess you know they decided on. They wanted this world to feel futuristic, but not like in your face, blaringly so. Um, and I just feel like when I first discovered this film, I mean, I discovered this film. It was probably about mm, two years after it came out. Like I, I rented it from uh, a video store. And I really just rented it because of the cover. I thought the cover looks cool. It had like a, it had that film noir look to it. I didn't really know what that was at the time. I mean, I would have been in like, you know, seventh or eighth grade when I saw this film. Um, but it had sort of that like, there's danger looking around the corner feel to it. And um, some of the covers I've seen, you know, have um, like there's like a spiral staircase in his in his house that he shares with Jerome, and. It's supposed to, of course, evoke this idea of the DNA, like the um, the DNA strand, because it's the way it spirals from the top to the bottom. And there's just little, really nice things that they sneak into this film that I just felt like at the time when I first saw it was like, I hadn't seen this before. Like, I'd seen futuristic films before. I'd seen, you know, murder mysteries before. But this kind of brought a lot of ideas together and made it feel like, it could be it could totally have been a film like right out of the 50s or 60s like it i mean it seems like it is and yet it's not <laughs> um if that makes sense um i feel like thematically this film also has really great ideas of um just pretty much exactly what you know andrew nichols going for i mean this idea of like utopian society but super flawed um imperfect characters put into perfect worlds. I mean, that's a very common theme that Andrew Nichols seems to like to explore, especially also in Truman Show, which we'll talk about in another time. Um, and I just think the casting is just so good. Um, whether it's like the minor characters or like the main characters, I mean, Ethan Hawke and, and Jude Law and, and Uma Thurman get most of the screen time in this film. And I mean, they're big names, and, and they were big names at the time, I mean, but, like, even with the big names, like, no one overpowers this kind this movie, I feel like, and that's really hard to do. Um, a lot of the times, I think, especially in City's current films, this is often a thing where, like, you have your go-to stars that are just, like, you know, people love them, and they're really good actors, so we just throw them in anything, but I really feel like the casting in this film, Gattaca, I feel like the they they i feel like they really thought about like okay who is appropriate for this film like who is going to um kind of nail what we're looking for without like taking over everything because it really ultimately is about the story and i think that's something that is a strong suit for all of them especially ethan hawk though like he has a tendency to um like kind of let the story speak to it speak for itself but also like give a solid performance like whatever he is in, and, and this is no exception. Um, one thing that I really love, and I mean this, I think only until recently watching it that I, you know, was something I kind of picked up on. There's a lot of films that I love that, you know, will have like sort of a voiceover narration, and it depends on the situation if I'm like cool with that or not. Um, in this case, sometimes I was like, okay, like, I mean, you kind of need him to sort of invite you in as the audience. Like, you know, Vincent is is narrating this this story, um, and it does help to kind of uh, bring you into the world and kind of explain things without seeming like overload on exposition. But I also think that it's it's also a clever way that Andrew Nichol uses a character like the imperfect character of Vincent to sort of really draw 
parallel like uh, comparisons to him to the society that he's in. Like his narration voice and the way and vo- the way he speaks and the vocabulary he uses um, when he's talking about things and his voiceovers is much more poetic than anyone else in the film. Um, you know, which is primarily I would imagine because he's surrounded by this genetic uh, gene pool of people that you know have perfect everything and so from them it may seem disingenuous well because you know they were created to be they were created to be uh, creative Um, and so for him though being able to be the voice of the film um, you know throughout the beginning middle and end um, it allows I think us to as the audience to really appreciate the quality of the words um, because they're coming from someone that you know, is of what the film calls, um, you know, a godchild, you know, not from just a test tube, that kind of thing. I really think, though, that's just one of those clever ways that Andrew Nichols sort of sneaks a lot of ideas in very subtly. Like, and and that's another thing, like, when you watch this film, it doesn't feel like they're hitting you over the head with um, preaching about, like, this is super wrong or this is super right and uh, you know i mean you kind of can sympathize with a lot of characters and and especially with irene who is uma thurman's character um she is of the of the sort of perfect society and yet she has her own flaws that we learn about as we watch so it's not like you don't have a chance to have some kind of imperfections it's just we don't have that society they're not embracing them you know and currently in our society, you know, we like to think we are a society that embraces, like, um, you know, our differences. You know, everyone has sort of special gifts that they can offer, which is all true. Um, and yet this film kind of shows the ideas of, well, if we could control that, we wouldn't have all of that anymore. Um, and Ethan Hawke's dreams of, of traveling to outer space and and wanting to achieve this impossible thing and, and the things that the links and the things he has to go to and to do to get there it's just like you're watching you're like oh my gosh like it's never gonna happen oh crap okay he got away with it okay and then like something else happens like and it's just it's this constant like just like you really are rooting for him you really want him to succeed and it's a character and they that you know you just care about which is again attributed to the writing so Overall, um, just what I feel like makes this film great, just recapping here, um, I think, similar to things I've spoken on in the past, I think it is culturally relevant. I think um, I was actually uh, with uh, a group of friends recently, and we were talking about like feel-good movies or go-to movies, and I mentioned Gattaca, and they kind of looked at me like, Gattaca is a feel-good movie? I mean, because it is a heavy movie, and I was like, well, yeah, for me it is, because you know, I really love films that, and, and this, I mean, you'll see as I talk about films in the future, but I seem to be drawn to films where we have characters that are, you know, in seemingly impossible situations, and yet they're able to sort of, you know, pull themselves out of it and achieve whatever it is, their, their whatever goals they have. Um, I love a good story like that if it's done well, and that's why, for me, this is a feel-good movie. I mean, it certainly has some very sad things um and you know the the topics are really heavy that you know to sort of watch this society and be this way you're like gosh like i mean how could people ever do that but i mean you never know like i sometimes think a lot of the things we attempt uh from futuristic films we do because those films or those stories or books or whatever existed so we see if we can do it and this is just um, one of those examples to kind of show the consequences of maybe if one of some of the consequences i guess i should say um, if we were to attempt something like that. 
Um, I also find this film, um, again, to have aged well. It's not a super... This is not, you know, Terminator 2, which, again, still stands the test of time. But this is not, like, Terminator 2 action-packed, like, you know, constantly affects, you know, CGI, whatever, being used. Like, this is a very, very, like mellow like low-key film with very strong writing very strong performances um some minor tiny little action sequences but nothing that is like hitting you over the head and so it's a very easy watch um you know once you get through the topic and sort of embrace the world that they're in um and so it just for me it just has like this very nostalgic feeling i know i keep saying that but like it really does feel retro and like I feel when I watch it that I'm watching a movie from like the 60s like it just feels like something that could have totally be written like that I mean the the dialogue is um, is not super like it's not like they're trying to be super cool or anything and like it's not you know the future of the Hunger Games which I love but it's not like this over-the-top like costuming or anything it's very mute um and you especially notice that where uh you know in some of the work environment scenes you know everyone looks exactly the same um they walk in in like single file lines they have to get their uh, finger uh pricked um as their entry to work <laughs> and which is kind of scary um but it is something that they have to do and and this is just like nothing to to all of the employees at gattaca um, even when they are in the restaurants, everyone around them, if you look, um, when they go out to the bars or, um, they're just with, you know, I think there's a scene where they go to like a, a piano concert. Um, everyone just seems kind of like, uh, not super excitable. Like, you know, they're, they're not really noticing the amazingness of life, even though, because, I would imagine the people living it are the ones that come from the perfect thing. So they expect these perfect situations and these perfect environments to be in. And so to them, it's nothing yet to Ethan Hawke. He's like always constantly in awe of wherever he gets to go because he wouldn't normally get to go there. So definitely a really great film. Um, I highly recommend it. And I just thought, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't planning on uh, going in the sci-fi direction, but I just thought... Uh, again, when I saw the article about Ethan Hawke, I thought, you know what? I think it's going to be that. I knew I wanted to talk about Gattaca, um, and I just thought, you know, why not? It's an appropriate time to do so. So that is Gattaca, 1997 by Andrew Nichol. And I, if you have not seen the film, go check it out. Um, it's I'm sure it's streaming on something. Um, it is a wonderful film. It has pretty much everything you could want from a science fiction genre film. Performances are great. Writing is great. Beautiful film to look at. Um, I mean, it, it just has this, like, I can't say it enough, but it really has this, like, dreamy quality to it with combined with the, the score. I mean, there's scenes where, like, there's this house that, like, overlooks the ocean and there's this giant window and the waves are just crashing. I mean, it's just good. It's just beautiful to look at. And, and I, you know, I've seen films that have been beautiful to look at and the stories are like, eh. This is not one of them. I mean, it really comprises of a lot of elements that I look for to make a film great. Um, and it does it very, very well. So kudos to them. But 
Again, go check it out if you haven't checked it out before. And that is going to be wrapping up episode three, it looks like. So I know that I love Gattaca and get ready for episode four coming soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I Know I Love podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow me, Kevin Craddock, on Instagram at I Know I Love Podcast. Here you can find current information and links to future episodes as they are produced. Thanks again for listening.